ESG, machine learning, and big data. Hello and welcome to this episode of Take 15. I'm Lauren Foster, Content Director with CFA Institute, and joining me today to talk about this is Omar Salim. Omar is founder and CEO of Arabesque, an ESG quant asset management firm that uses self-learning quant models and big data to assess the performance and sustainability of globally listed equities. Welcome, Omar. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's start with the name of your firm. Why Arabesque? So Arabesque is a term that represents art based on geometry or art that is constructed with mathematical formulas. Whenever you see something that has symmetry, then it is considered an Arabesque. To us, it represents also information that is hidden in patterns. Sometimes people associate that with Mediterranean food or ballet position or a movie. For us, it is nothing else but the beauty of mathematics. Now, Arabesque is billed as the world's first ESG quant fund. What is your vision for Arabesque and how is it different from other asset managers? So we feel the financial industry is going through significant disruption. And the key components will be the availability of non-financial information. So the last five years, we had seen the emergence of integrated reporting and corporations representing information about how they treat their people, wastewater management, governance questions, how they go about their resources and energy. And this information is very valuable. So while historically people used to associate sustainable investing with a drag on the performance because it was based on industry exclusion, so you take out alcohol, weapons, tobacco, gambling, other things which were controversial, what we're actually doing is we're trying to understand the sustainability impact on the performance of a company. So the question is, is there actually a correlation between the stock price of a company and the sustainability of a company? And this you can actually only measure in a quantitative way. So what we try to do is really take those very qualitative aspects and translate them into quantitative components and analyze them and integrate them into the risk management of our asset management business. Interesting. So in an interview with Reuters, you said our performance engine is to the finance industry, what Tesla is to the car industry, a clean and new type of transportation. So how is Arabesque the Tesla of finance? So basically, money is the engine of the world. So a lot of decisions are taken based on financial considerations. That's, that's good. However, it's a one-dimensional street. So what you do is you look into uh, revenues and volatility and shop ratio and other financial components. What we don't consider is what does the money actually do? Do you actually um, understand where your pension, where your savings and what it does and is that aligned with your values? So what we're looking to do is to open up a second dimension where we ask how is that return generated at the expense of child labor, corruption, pollution or is it generated in a sustainable way? And by doing that we can actually create a more sustainable, cleaner engine to the economy, which obviously is money. So we feel the, the change from conventional finance to sustainable finance is the analogy to electric cars uh, versus conventional cars. You know, there's no two ways they're, they're going to take over as long as they can do two things, perform, so they can give you um, the right acceleration and speed and, uh, and um, take you wherever you want to go, like a conventional car. And they represent a lifestyle feeling. They represent something that you can relate to, that you're comfortable with. And that's what we are trying to build. So speaking of dimensions, you've also said that ESG is the fourth dimension of investing. Can you explain to viewers what you mean by that? 
Well, I would actually go further. I almost feel that, you know, macro is dead and ESG is the new macro. So, you know, in the very low volatility space which we are in and a perfectly and, and fully transparent market, the only new component that you have is sustainability, the non-financial aspect of corporations. And this is actually a more and more important um, input factor to as a management. So to just balance it a little bit, you know, it's by far not perfect. The information is still very vague in some spaces. You have information available in mainly developed countries. You have them mainly available for large organizations. And there you can actually use them with statistical models to generate performance, mainly for risk management purposes. So we can try to anticipate um, tail risks and reputational risk. However, it's not suitable for the construction of the actual portfolio because still corporations might be overpriced and sustainability wouldn't get that. So you still need fundamental analysis and technical analysis to combine with sustainable analysis in order to generate good performance. So to date, one of the key drivers of growth in ESG-based investments has been demand from asset owners. So pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, foundations. But what about the retail market? Can mainstream investors help make the world more sustainable? And how so? So at the moment, sustainability is still a luxury for large institutional investors or family offices who have the capacity and the financial means to integrate sustainability data into their investment process. It has not really reached retail yet because it's considered opaque, it's considered underperforming and the formula might be very intimidating. But there's a clear demand that people wish to align their finance with their, with their values. And what we hope to do is to make sustainable investing easy by doing it in a, a transparent way, by delivering very good returns, by explaining the story behind it that drives the performance, by explaining what actually money will do. So historically, when I grew up, money was disconnected from finance. In fact, it had their life on its own. The amount of derivatives traded to the actual underlying link to the economy is like 10 to 1. Uh, we think money needs to be aligned with a purpose, with a proper investment. And that will be, um, <clears throat> I think, the, the catalyst for people actually to associate themselves with their money, want to understand what their money is doing. And if we can deliver that in a sustainable and transparent and easy way, then people will surely take it. So we have Gen X, we have Gen Y, you've coined Gen S. Yes. Who is Gen S? Generation S is, um, is not a function of age, it's a function of your mindset. When you are thinking and living in a sustainable way, when, when you're trying to be mindful of the resources or the way how you spend your money and how you live, then that to us is Generation S. It is, again, very important to clarify this is not a drag on your performance. You know, there's no need to give up any returns. In fact, it generates performance. But if I give you a choice between a healthy meal and a less healthy meal, both taste good, you know, why would you choose the unhealthy meal? You know? And that's what we're trying to do, to offer a credible, good, high-performing alternative. Well, to your point about no drag on performance, the Boston Consulting Group recently released a report and that found that companies with better ESG standards are more profitable and trade at a premium to rivals. So that's obviously good news. Are you seeing more companies paying greater attention to their overall role in society? There's no doubt that corporations which have uh, a better sustainability record will outperform their peers. 
and that we can prove the correlation between a company's performance on environmental, social and governance topics to the stock price of the companies. You can always cut corners, you can always um, you know, try to get through a quarter or two without being um, disclosing what is happening, but ultimately it will just uh, you know, come out and, and expose the company and, and the downfall and the impact on the stock price uh, becomes very clear. So the correlation is, is clearly there between sustainability of companies and the stock price of the companies. It is an obvious next step in finance to integrate those components into asset management, into um, technologies that offer better return. So I see that you're fond of analogies and one of them that I read was sustainability research is to finance what the x-ray is to medicine. So tell us very briefly about the research that you were involved with with Oxford University, I believe. So the Oxford study we did from the stockholder to the stakeholder was uh, just trying to find the foundation into how you can analyze companies' performance on sustainability and the correlation to the stock price. And while there are studies which show that it is difficult to find the correlation, if you stay on a more general level of sustainability. If you, however, dig deeper into the key components, and we have 200 parameters to assess ESG, you'll actually find among those parameters a clear link to the performance. Now this you have to do in a, in a, in a technological way. We have uh, machine learning, supervised and unsupervised, to uh, analyze the significant amount of data that go through our technology in order to come up with an assessment of companies. And we built this technology, we call it the X-ray and analogy to X-ray, to look deeper beyond the skin of a company, to understand how companies actually manage, how they're treating their people, how they're going about their resources. And we have three lenses. One is the UN Global Compact Lens, which looks into human rights, labor law, the environment and the corruption. So these are very much normative values. The next one is ESG, where we look into the materiality of those components. So how is a company treating the people? How about women? How about diversity? How about energy and resources? And how about governance structures and other stuff? And we try to rank them within the industry. In other words, let's not compare mining company to software company when it comes to water management or um, wastewater or other components or energy. Let's try to find what is relevant to those corporations and rank them and tier them within their group. And you'll find that um, if you remove the bottom 25% as we do and readmit those which have a positive momentum, you see better performance over time. So speaking of studying and research, you and Arabesque are the subjects of a Harvard Business School case. Uh, it's a study, it's the building a values-based asset management firm. So a two-part question, what does it mean to you to build a values-based asset management firm? And then secondly, what are you hoping tomorrow's leaders will learn from this case and take back to industry? So first of all, it's an incredible privilege to become the subject of a Harvard case study. Um, so we have the pleasure of you know, being part of that teaching once a year and some masterclass. And I understand it's ranked in the top 5% of, uh, of uh, Harvard Business School among the case studies. So the class was packed and they, they repeat it uh, um, three times in the day. So what I, what I try to say is that it has a lot of interest and it, it touches on the important point, particularly for the next generation. And the two drivers, I believe, is one, the integration of non-financial information, so which allows you to understand corporations better, what are they doing and how they're doing it, 
and you can uh, put this into the context of um, management and, and you know business education. And on the other side, the move to automation, the use of artificial intelligence and the process of constructing and managing your money and your portfolio. So I think there's no twist about this is the way how money will be managed in the future. You won't see people you know, reading the papers, calling the brokers. I think these days are over. Uh, you have computers which are uh, very much capable of, of emulating that investment process and doing it just in a, in a more efficient way than humans can. So then a final question. Back when you started your firm, you asked yourself, how will finance look in 10 years, in 20 years? How will people invest their money? Yeah. If you ask those questions today, what are your answers? So 10, 20 years is a long time horizon, particularly in, in finance. Um, I would say that we're going to see an incredible amount of disruption hitting the financial industry. I believe in five or 10 years time, the biggest banks are going to be called Google, Apple and Facebook, and none of the conventional banks are going to be around. They might become back or middle office organizations, but I think we're going to see heavy, heavy disruption, mainly through technology. You're going to see uh, people changing the way how they manage their money. You will see the lifestyle feeling of the millennials impacting the way how money is managed. But many people I know, they feel underserved, they feel overcharged, they feel that the language, the slang is very opaque, the formulas are intimidating. People don't really know what their money is doing. So this desire to actually align yourself with your money, I believe in certain amounts of values. I want to make sure my money does what I wanted to do, that is clearly going to drive finance in the future. And then there's a, a brilliant book by, um, by Jack Ma who uh, assesses how consumers will change in terms of their demand. And one of the key components is the greater element of individualization. So we now want to have things tailor-made to our needs. And I believe that is very much where finance will go. So you can actually understand people's values and you can assess their investment profile and can deliver them exactly what they wish. And I think that will very much drive the way how finance will look in the next years to come. Fascinating insights, Omar. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for watching. Copyright 2018, CFA Institute, All Rights Reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.